it was kind of surreal. I was there just after the earthquake. We have all the aftershocks. And I could see all the chaos and destruction. Why I should continue to live if all this have to happen to me? Bienvenue, or welcome. I'm your host, Leslie Friday. Thank you for listening to Voices of Haiti, a Partners in Health podcast that shares the stories of our Haitian colleagues as they reflect on the January 12, 2010 earthquake. As many of you listening may know, PIH is currently responding to the COVID-19 pandemic, both globally and in Massachusetts. It may seem odd, then, to be talking in this podcast about what happened in Haiti 10 years ago. Yet the stories we've shared so far from our Haitian colleagues are examples of how, even in the darkest days, people stand together to overcome what may at first seem like insurmountable challenges. And that, most definitely, is what we need to be talking about. Today, we hear from Mancito Etienne, an epic storyteller and an incredible human being. He's been a member of what we call the PIH family for nearly half his lifetime. When the earthquake struck that day in January, Encito was right where he normally could be found after school. That afternoon, I was actually in the Partners in Health office where I used to volunteer. Around 4.50 p.m. on January 12, 2010, there was four of us still in the office and we were all getting ready to go home. None of us knew our lives were about to change forever. This is quite a statement for someone who had already fought for his life and was only in ninth grade. You see, Ancito came to Zamela Sante, as PIH is known in Haiti, as someone on the brink of death. I became a patient in 2007. I had become sick earlier that year. Me and my parents did not know what my diagnosis was yet, but it was clear that I needed medical attention. It started with me suddenly starting to experience weight loss. I was already a skinny kid, so that became very alarming to to my parents. And as this was happening, I began having persistent fevers. And soon after, we began noticing swollen lymph nodes in my neck. That's when my parents realized that I needed to see a doctor right away. Unfortunately, at the time, seeing a doctor was easier said than done. First, there wasn't a system to schedule an appointment with a doctor in advance, so you'd show up in the hospital hoping that you'll get seen. Second, visits and medicines were put out of pocket uh, because there was no universal health coverage in the country. So if you could not afford care, you likely were not going to receive it. And Sito's family came from modest means and were nervous about whether they would receive care and whether they could afford what was available. Theirs was a common fear among Haitian families, and frankly, one shared around the world in places where publicly available quality care is scarce or non-existent. It's also a fear that would be unnecessary if universal health care were available to everyone, regardless of their income or place of birth. Luckily for Ancito and his family, they eventually found Zamila Sante. My parents had taken me to the Haiti State University Hospital, the largest public hospital in Port-au-Prince, if not in the country at the time, but it was always so crowded that we never actually got to see a doctor. 
When I began feeling sicker, my dad started asking around to see if there was another hospital where we could go. And that's when we learned about Zamila Sate, Partners and Health Sister Organization in Haiti. About a couple of days later, we went to the hospital, and that's when the big journey really started for me. Within hours of getting there, we were able to see a doctor. And after a few tests, a few days later, the doctor discovered that it was actually cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, to be precise. When the doctor told us the news, my dad and I were sitting next to each other and we both looked at each other and tears started flowing down our eyes because while we did not know medically what cancer was, we knew immediately that it was an automatic death sentence because all the people we knew who had been diagnosed with cancer up to that point had died from it, partly because of the lack of cancer care availability in the country. But what Ancito and his father didn't know, and how could they have, was that his cancer was highly treatable. Thankfully, the doctor let us know right away that I would not die because Partners in Health was going to do whatever it takes to save my life. And he told us that because the treatment was not available in the, in the country, they would need some time to secure the board. That was the best news I could have ever received right after learning that I had cancer. But even then, we were very skeptical because that was a very big promise. So while I was waiting to hear back from the hospital and I was getting sicker, at some point I had the conversation with my parents about what they would do in case I die, uh, given that we had extremely meager means. But thankfully, not too long after that conversation, we got a call from Zamila Sate that they had found a hospital in the U.S. that was willing to provide treatment. And not too long after that, I arrived in the U.S. with my dad to receive care at the Mass General Hospital. I began treatment thereafter, and eight months later, I was cured. And Sito and his father returned to Haiti, where he continued his high school education with a renewed sense of purpose and a completely different view of the world. My experience in the U.S. gave me a whole new perspective on what access and equity mean. I had suffered from both, but I never realized that it was morally wrong for so few in the world to have so much and so many to have so little. I also learned about the notion of preferential option for the poor, which, as you know, is the cornerstone of Partners and House mission, meaning that the poor and their interests should always be the top priority in all efforts for change. I was so inspired by these lessons that I wanted to find a way to start contributing right away. Thankfully, Partners and Health had an office near where I lived at the time, so most days after school, I would volunteer with the supply chain team. I was very, very excited and humbled to have that opportunity. During those afternoons, Ancito learned all he could about PIH and became a fixture around the office near his home. He would stay until closing time. So it was no surprise he was still there late in the afternoon of January 12, 2010, when miles away, a powerful earthquake devastated Port-au-Prince. Out of nowhere, the building started shaking, increasingly with rage and intensity. I fell off the chair on which I was sitting, and for a split second I thought it must be a big truck that's going by, but huh, I was wrong. 
we all quickly went outside the building, confused and with no notion of what had just happened. Outside, there were thick clouds of dust everywhere. The tallest building in town had collapsed with dozens of people still inside. The town was in total ruins. That's when I realized that uh, a tragedy had taken place. I immediately understood that nothing was going to be the same anymore. Still disoriented, I quickly went home to check on my family. When I reached home, thankfully everyone in my family was safe, but uh, our house was severely damaged. Calls for help in the neighborhood intensified, and each second that went by, people were losing their lives. So I looked at my dad and said, Dad, we have to try to help. So we both quickly joined a rescue team in my town to help save a number of our neighbors from under the wobble. For some people, thankfully, our rescue team got there at the right time. For others, unfortunately, we got there too late. And many horrific things happened that evening and the hours to follow. Um, I hope I'll never actually have to share those stories because some of them still haunt me to this day. Later into the night, my dad said to me, have you been in touch with Zamina Sate? I am sure they are going to need a lot of help. I did not think there was a way that I could help. I could not provide any medical attention, which I thought would be the greatest need. But he reminded me that I could speak English, which I had learned uh, while in the U.S. receiving cancer treatment a couple years prior. Zamila Sante definitely needed Ancito's help. Dozens of clinicians, many of them English-speaking, were arriving from the United States and all around the world to help respond to the disaster. Ancito was their link to understanding patients' needs and to collaborating with their new Haitian colleagues. As a medical translator, being in the hospital put me in the midst of the desperation. There were multiple organizations in the Haiti State Hospital where I was volunteering with partners in health. But even then, I witnessed the high level of suffering and in dozens of what I would call avoidable deaths. During most of the emergency period, there were always hundreds of people in the hospital who needed care and I'm sure thousands in other places but I can say with certainty that uh, without the support of Zamina Sante and Partners in Health I truly don't believe that so many lives in the hospital would have been saved and the generosity and human kindness that I witnessed was beyond words as a Haitian I feel grateful for the solidarity from all around the world and from organizations like Samila Sante and Partners in Health. As can be expected, most of the people impacted by the earthquake were poor people. They were living in poorly constructed homes and were severely injured or killed when their houses fell on them during the earthquake. And those that survived were displaced for several years. I saw hundreds of people suffering the aftermath of the earthquake, struggling to provide for themselves. Most of them remained in makeshift tents for months, some for years, in what were supposed to be temporary homes. That observation really had a huge impact on me. I then made it a goal of mine to participate at a greater level in change-making in Haiti. 
I am very thankful that this dream is rapidly becoming a reality. While I never thought it would be possible for me to attend college, I've had the great privilege to earn a degree in economics here in the U.S. Thanks to so many of my heroes that have had the great fortune to meet along the way. They know who they are. And just two years after, I am now a grad student in public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. And Sito attends classes with some of the best and brightest minds in the world. He belongs there and will undoubtedly shine at Harvard, just as he's done in every endeavor he's undertaken so far. He's not one to take these things for granted, though. He remembers where he came from and often thinks about how he can best use his talents and passion to make a difference in Haiti. It's a shame that people anywhere in the world, regardless of background, ethnicity, or socioeconomic status, have to die from a treatable disease. It's certain that I would not have survived cancer without care. And I believe everyone had to be given a chance to survive when they become sick with a deadly but treatable disease like cancer. I think my story as a cancer survivor is very relevant today as we fight the coronavirus pandemic. The principal reason I almost died when I became sick was strictly because of the lack of investment by the Haitian government in the healthcare system. And one explainable reason for that lack of investment was the denial and refusal of the government to acknowledge that healthcare is a human right that it should provide to the Haitian people. And this denial almost killed me. And I know it's the case for millions, if not billions, of people around the globe. And when there is a lack of investment in healthcare, those most affected are the most vulnerable and the poor. And today, what we observe is that the coronavirus preys on the most vulnerable, and governments have no capacity to control the disease because investment in health was always lacking. And unfortunately, we can expect the virus to wreak havoc in developing countries where medical supplies are lacking and investment in, in health systems have been woefully inadequate for decades. I hope governments learn that investment in, in health are critical not just to protect the right to health, but also to protect the world economy from pandemics like the one we are experiencing today. Over a decade later since the earthquake, millions in Haiti still live in poverty. Healthcare is still lacking and the country continues to experience civil unrest and political instability. So after my studies, I hope that I can return home and participate in making things better in the country. I, for one, believe he will. Continue to learn and explore more stories about Zami Lasante and PIH by visiting pih.org slash Haiti. Follow Voices of Haiti on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast. And look for us at Partners in Health on Instagram or at PIH on Twitter and DM us with any comments or questions. As always, thank you for listening and talk to you again on the next episode.